Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Hello and good afternoon, everyone. This is Suzanne Knabenikol from Police Science Doctor with your weekly dose of police science. So I go through lots of journal articles, read the heading, read the abstract and see if there's anything that I'm, I think might be of useful uh, of useful interest to you. It's basically about making sure that you don't have to go through all those articles. You probably don't have access to them. And um, I do get them emailed from the publishers to to announce what has been published. And then I see if there's anything that could actually be practical because much research is very theoretical. It's very abstract or very, very specific. And the usual practitioner who works in law enforcement around the world, such as yourself, or you might be an academic, you can't often do something with it. So I try and find those bits of research that I think may actually be useful to you that you can apply or start thinking about straight away. Hence, they're called science snippets because they only give you like a key finding. And then I email the the direct links to the original research out to everyone on the police science doctor email list. You can go in there as well. It's free. Just Google police science, go to policesciencedoctor.com and enter your details into the form that comes up and then you will get sent these every Tuesday. And also you'll be able to access all the previous police science snippets. So there've been 88 so far until today. So the first snippet of this week is about report how a victim reports rape or how the case is reported to jurors in the courtroom. Now this snippet is a little bit long but I'll try to explain. A study compared the impact of a rape account being delivered with a victim reporting the details of the rape at the beginning of the account, activating the jurors rape schema. So you know somebody says something to you for example, oh I was on holiday in France recently, you will access your ooh I've been to holiday in France, or I've heard something about that before. I've got opinions, I've got memories, I've got impressions of that. So you're activating a schema. So in this one condition, in this one group, the the fact that there was a rape and what happened was mentioned at the beginning of the account. Okay. So, and the other group had the victim reporting the event chronologically. So that means, you know, met up, um, chatted, talked for a while, did this, did that, maybe went to, to to a flat, maybe started kissing. So everything happened in a specific order. And then obviously the rape is at the end. Um, so from the, so that's a chronological order from the non-criminal consensual beginning to the rape, activating consensual expectations at the beginning. Now, it then turned out it was more difficult for jurors in the rape report first condition to reconcile the consensual beginning of the event with the eventual rape allegation. So it wasn't as easy for them to have a coherent story to think through and to discuss with other jurors. And so when discussing with other jurors, and that was actually resulted in fewer defendants being found guilty. So even though the rape schema is activated early on when they're hearing the account and they they know that it ends in rape or non-consensual activity. It is actually very important to be able to tell a coherent story to yourself and to other jurors to then, because jurors need to agree on a verdict, don't they? So this is perhaps a little bit counterintuitive, this finding. So there were more guilty verdicts in the condition where everything was reported consensually, uh, chronologically. So that's the first snippet. Did I told you it was a bit long. This one is very short, though. It's about officer profanity and public perception. 
Research found that officers' use of profanity, so swearing, during a use of force encounter reduces present civilians' likelihood or civilians who watched a recording later on, reduce the likelihood of those civilians perceiving the amount of force used by the officers as reasonable. Now, this is actually very important because in recent years, there has been lots of um, media attention on use of force by police, whom they use force against, to what degree. And it actually turns out that when the officer, I mean, you know, we, we're not talking about what the suspect is doing. The suspect may be using the most foul language you could ever imagine. But if the officer is using profanities, then the whole encounter is rated differently by onlookers, bystanders and civilians. Um, and I think in a current climate where this is really important, has been quite critical for a while, it's probably best in general but especially based on these findings for officers not to use profanity. Um, I, it's, it's possible. And um, research has now shown that it may actually serve in your favor. You might, you know, even if your actions are the same, if, if you're swearing whilst you're doing it, you're going to be possibly classified as less reasonable. So try not to. And the last finding is about 15-minute um, patrols um, have been found to reduce crime by 40%. Hmm. Very big return here. So two-person police foot patrols, so two police officers together on foot, not, not driving around in cars, on foot patrols of 15 minutes a day in high-crime hotspots reduced crime harm and incidents by over 40% on the days patrols were carried out. No evidence was found of crime being displayed to nearby areas. Sometimes people are worried about displacement, and consistently this has not found to be the case, has not been found to be the case. And the highest reductions in crime were actually achieved after three consecutive consecutive days of patrolling. Now, this is um, in the Cambridge Journal of Evidence-Based Policing, this research. The link is in the email that I'm sending out. And one of the great things about that journal is that many of the articles are open access. So you can read the whole articles, you can read the whole research. More than that, I'm actually planning to interview the author of that paper, um, Dr. Matt Blunt from Cambridge University. I'm hoping to interview him live on Police Science Doctor on Monday, the 26th of September, possibly four o'clock in the afternoon, UK time. So if you would like to know how to reduce crime by 40% in, in the streets of where you work, then tune in on that day. But in the first instance, have a look at the research from that. And um, I'm sure it's going to be very, very interesting what Dr. Blunt has to say. The other thing I wanted to share with you, so I'm working with the societies of evidence-based policing um, around the world, really, on this global event that they're putting together. It's the Global Conference Exceptional Policing. Now, it's not just a conference. It's actually a 24-hour live broadcast. The first 12 hours are broadcast from New Zealand. The second 12 hours are broadcast from the UK. And if you have any research that you think might be um, of interest to that event, you have a few more days to actually submit your abstract of that research. Um, let me just put in the link for the conference into the chat here, and hopefully that will come up where you're watching this. So I'm just putting it as a comment. So this should now be posting too. Um, it's gone to YouTube. Um, maybe it's not going to LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. Okay, but if you go to globalebpconference.com, 
you can submit your article there, submit your abstract, and you know it will be seen if you fit into the program. So this is going to be an amazing event. And you can sign up as an individual to watch it, and you'll still have um, access to the recording six months after. You can sign up as a whole police department or a whole university. And the idea is that wherever you are in the world and whichever shift you're on, you can tune in and you can watch something that's going to be really of value. I mean, this is going to be TV quality, TV studio quality stuff. Okay, live broad live broadcasts, 24 hours long. There's something for everyone, anyone working in law enforcement or studying in the area, working in the area. So really global, um, global ebpconference.com. And that was it for today. I'll be emailing out more information on that event as well. But go to the website, um, register to attend if you can. Submit an abstract if you've got one that's relevant. And um, hopefully I'll see you there. So until next week, thank you very much for watching. Thank Bye. you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam, this is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts. Thank you.